Hey, where are you from? So, uh, what do you do? That's what you get asked a lot, right? When you're meeting someone new, at a party, your dating profile. So tell the world the answer to both of those questions at the same time. We figured out how. We just launched a brand new online store that has all 50 states represented with gear for physical therapists. Now at ptpintcast.com. A stainless steel tumbler for a PT in Tennessee? Check. South Carolina physical therapist t-shirt? Yeah, we got that. Face mask for a Florida PT? Check and double check. Great gear for life, all showing off your profession and your home state. PT gear store available now at ptpinecast.com. So go there and you can show off your profession and home state at ptpinecast.com. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. Like craft beer for your ears. This is the PT Pinecast. Yeah, we'll go with that. I'm ready to go. Oh, we're live. Shoot, there we go. I said I was ready to go. I did say that. What's going on? This is PT Pinecast. Where's the... There we go. I got the chill music. Uh, before we get started, I do want to say uh, that we've got something new at the website. We've got... Uh, not virtual services. We've got um, a brand new store at ptpinecast.com. Check this out. We did an episode not long ago um, with uh, with Andrew from Physio Memes. Andrew? Yeah, from Physio Memes. And he was like, dude, you can get so creative with drop shipping and print on demand. And all I heard was I can get anything I want on a tumbler. And so we just kind of paired up and we've got these tumblers. Now these are for coffee or alcohol, put anything you want, but we've got one for every state. So if you're a physical therapist from, I don't know, Rhode Island, you could have your very own tumbler with Rhode Island on there. So show off what you do and where you do it online this one's 10 ounces this one's perfect for uh for a little whiskey in texas so you get the idea so check out the uh, the new store available great gifts i know gift season's always coming up what are you going to get for a student in your clinic what are you going to get for one of your ci's why not grab one of these tumblers so yeah all 50 states uh represented that's what we're starting to show off with um let's do it let's do the intro and we'll bring the guest in let's come in hot let's do this ready let's go excited for this guest to come back to the show. I always love when we have returning guests. It means we didn't turn their stomach to the point where they didn't want to come back. Returning guest today, an ex-Army PT turned entrepreneur. Now he runs a successful cash PT practice in Atlanta. And his mission, I'd love when people just aim big, but this guy's aiming huge. His mission is to add a billion dollars in annual cash services to the PT profession through his company, Physical Therapy Biz, which you can find online at, ironically, physicaltherapybiz.com. Let's bring him in the studio to the rousing applause, Kenny Matei. Kenny Matei in the studio. There he is. Dude, you're next level, man. Every time I come back, you you just like, your show just gets better and better. I'm I'm just like in shock over how awesome that was. You just did. Effects. It's honestly the sound effects, really. Uh, Danny, um, you let me call you Danny Mata for like a year. Yeah. Never corrected me. I know. I, Why would you be, not correct me? Well, the problem is phonetically you said it right. But uh, the, the, the short backstory is when my uh, dad's, uh, I guess it would be my great grandfather moved here uh, through Ellis Island. Uh, oh, he immigrated. His last name was D Mateo. And uh, they actually crossed out some letters 
to make it look American. Um, but they continue to pronounce the A as if there were vowels behind it out of pure stubbornness. So for generations, we've been doing it. And I just don't feel like I want to be the one to give it up. I got um, you. So you, you said it right. It's just we say it wrong uh, and have done so for a long time. All right. Well, we got it correct now. And I'm usually pretty good with asking, but I, for some reason I didn't. And then I felt like we were so connected and we just kept going. And I was like, oh, yeah, I think I was listening to your podcast. And usually people don't say the host's name a lot. The host is usually saying the guest name. But I think your co-host had said your name. And I was like, wait a second. Hang on. Anyway, that's an aside. Yeah. But uh, you've been on the show a few times before. You are no stranger to podcasting. You host it. You're not you're not doing that show anymore, right? It's just kind of still living in the ether, though. Do you mean the Doc and Jock podcast? No, you're not doing that anymore. No, that's what we started with. You know, there we had a couple hundred episodes with that, and um, and and what we started to notice was uh, every time I would do a podcast podcast episode about business, because people would ask us questions about about the practice that I had, that um, we'd get a, a big spike in uh, questions and, and feedback. So you know, I kind of just decided, all right, well, I, I think this is where I can really help the profession. There's plenty of people that are really working on movement and performance-based work and all that. So I decided to really, you know, double down on the business side, which I always was pretty fascinated with. And um, it's been awesome, man. It's been really cool just to be able to help people be able to like use their skill set in a, in a way where they work with the people they want, but also, you know, they, they can break free from seeing just like a massive amount of volume and frustrations with some populations that maybe they don't want to work with. Yeah, I love that. That's what we're going to get into today. Um, so, oh, first questions are always the hardest. What are we drinking today? Yeah, out. so uh, a nice little a little microbrewery. This is a Miller High Life. I don't know if you've heard of it. Champagne of beer. Um, from the Miller uh, microbrewery. Miller. Yeah, yep. not that. Uh, I'm doing a Corona because, hey, when in Rome, when, you're, when you've got a virus going around, why not just embrace it? That's true. That's actually a really good beer. Um, it is a good beer. It's good isn't it gluten-free? I think it's, it's gluten-free, right? Maybe. Sure. Yeah, I don't right. know. Mm. So cheers to you. Uh, first round brought to you by our friends from Owens Recovery Science. There it is on the screen, owensrecoveryscience.com. Single source for PTs looking for certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. BFR, as the cool kids are calling it. Bro, Johnny then, is the man. Johnny all over. So when I was at Baylor, Johnny was an instructor at the Center for the Intrepid. And I knew he was head and shoulders smarter than anybody else there quickly because he had these advanced progressions and regressions of what he was doing with limb salvage and amputee yeah. soldiers. And I'd never seen anybody do it before. And he was mixing in like FMS stuff with it. And I was like completely lost at what he was doing. And he was light years ahead of his time. So the fact that he's doing something as cool as that doesn't surprise me one bit. And, and those units are amazing. And he, and he's, he, um, he digs it, right? I mean, you just, I mean, there's a parallel, right? So like you said, whenever you did an episode of doc and jock and talked about business, it popped. But that's not a reason to go that direction. The reason was it popped and you liked it. Right. I mean, there's that passion there. And that's the thing, same, same thing with Johnny. He's like, you know, you know, off the air, he's like, I travel around and I talk to, you know, coaches at, in major professional college sports, I talk to clinic owners and mom and pop and one person uh, clinics. And he's like, I know this will help your patients. So he's like, it's super fun. And then he's like, yeah. I get, we got so busy. We have other instructors. So yeah. they're flying around and doing that. So OwensRecoveryScience.com. Yeah, they're they're legit. And he just did something with APTA, like a signature series lecture. So like, that's what we talk about with Johnny is like, guy gets it. And he, I tell him all the time, I'm like, dude, you're almost in too good a shape because dude's jacked. If you've ever seen yeah. Johnny Owens, dude's a, he's a middle linebacker. 
And when he walks in, people probably like, oh, he's just, he look how big he is. He's a meathead. But then he starts talking. You're like, oh, no, no, no. Hang on a second. This guy knows what he's talking. I mean, he gets into the micro micro level. Oh, dude. I, I think what's so rare about Johnny and some other people that kind of like are able to do this too, like a Mike Reinald or a Kelly Sturad, is they can take a very complex idea and they can actually simplify it in a way where people like you and I can actually understand yep. it. Uh, which is which is very very I, I think very rare and uh, for sure Johnny does a great job of that. Because BFR is confusing, you know, uh, if you if it's not really explained very well. Yep. Yeah. So uh, check them out. OwensRecoveryScience.com. Uh, they have their own podcast too. Yeah. All right. So um, business is great. You work with let's let's reframe it. You what do you get to do now? What's PhysicalTherapyBiz.com? Who do you work with? What do you get to do? If you haven't been following uh, Danny and all his platforms. Um, you should, even if you don't necessarily engage them, all the stuff you're going to get from his platforms is going to be worth your time, which is probably like the best recommendation you can get. It is an exchange of abundance, as we call. If you spend a minute with Danny, you'll feel like leaving. So who do you get to work with and what do you get to do? Like, who are the people you get to hang with? Yeah. So, you know, for us, what we get a chance to do is uh, really work with clinicians that are hybrid and or cash based uh, across actually at this point, like multiple sub professions, right? So physical therapists, chiropractors, athletic trainers, massage therapists. Um, and, and we really, uh, primarily work with people that are, uh, more movement based kind of performance providers, people that like I was teaching back when I was working for like mobility wad and, um, what, what we're able to do is really helps bolt on proven business skills, business systems that they don't have to figure out themselves to amazing clinicians to allow them to really see people that they want to see in the capacity they want to see them uh, use their skill set the way that it deserves, have enough time to do so, um, and really, you know, generate time and financial freedom for themselves via yeah. the business uh, that they, they, they have for themselves. I was going to, I was going to key in on that word, but of course you said it, which was freedom, like freedom for a couple different things, freedom. Yeah. And you and I had talked about this before, both on the show and not, which is freedom to decide who you want to work with, right? Yeah. Who, who do you want to serve? And some people get locked up and get caught and say, well, that's, that's choosing who you don't want to work with. It's like, well, I am good at this and I enjoy this. So I'm going to go this way. And as we know, there's more than enough people who need what our professions can provide. So those people, those patients will find providers. Yeah. Um, but you say in terms of freedom, who you get to treat, and then also freedom, because what that allows you to do, if you can make a good living, not having to see the volume, and then you can also just take a trip when you want to and have financial freedom on that side, who wouldn't want to sign up for that? That freedom word is huge. Well, I don't think, you know, who wants to see 20 plus people a day? You know what I mean? Like I I've done that. Uh, I did that for a long time. And, you know, for me, what, what I noticed was the biggest difference it's not that I work less hours, right? If you really look at the amount of work that I've put in in the last eight years since we got out of the military, it's, it's I've worked a lot more than I did when I was in the military. But when when I would come home, especially the last job I had, uh, I was attached to the airborne school, and what it, which there was it, some interesting elements to that. But there was also there were a lot of people that were. Uh, it's kind of an out to pasture job for instructors, and I got a lot of people that were just looking for. You know, they just wanted documentation on injuries that they had along the way for disability purposes. So they weren't really trying to get better. They just really wanted me to be able to like solidify documentation so they could take it to the VA when they got out. Right. And it was, it was, it was boring. It was, it was something that I was doing like goniometer measurements on everybody to, to get these, these, uh, this paperwork put together. And, you know, I'd be there from like six until three or so. And, uh, when I would get home almost every day, I would fall asleep on the couch. 
And I remember my wife was like, dude, you are miserable. Like you come home and you're just like miserable. You're so tired. And it was because the work that I was doing was not satisfying. It wasn't mentally stimulating. I was, I was just, you know, I was just like punching the clock basically. Right. Yeah. I, I've ne it's never happened to me once since I started doing my own thing. And a lot of it is because, you know, the work you do, uh, it's not energy isn't based off of time. It's based off the people. It's based off the work, the interactions, the ability to be creative, things like that. And I think that when people realize that and they're like, oh man, like I am so much more satisfied with my work, with how I can actually leverage my own degree, uh, instead of complaining about it, like many people are down on our profession and they've pointed all these things that, that truly are problematic, but there's definitely a way that we've found where we can marry who you want to work with, what you want to do with your skill set, and uh, honestly create a, you know, a life, an income, a business for yourself to where, you know, you can experience things in the world that require time and financial freedom that very few people get a chance to do. Yeah, I was talking with actually our, our next guest tonight, Rachel Zoftis, who's a psychologist, and we're talking about introverts and extroverts. This was in our prep call. We weren't even recording this damn thing, but it was oh. good. She's talking about doing things that you like or doing things that you don't like. And one thing is going to drain you, right? So you're getting through it and you're doing the job you like because you have the title and that's going to drain you. You do things that really light you up. Next, you'll forget to eat lunch. Yeah. You know, you'll forget, oh, it's six o'clock. I should have left an hour ago. Like you do those things. And then you're right. A lot of people can, I mean, you can get caught around a lot of negativity. I mean, I don't know if you've been on Twitter lately, especially within PT, but there's a lot of negativity, right? Yeah. Nope. But there are ways to do it. And Danny's not selling a system. He's like, I've done it. I'm doing it. And people are doing it. Um, but let's get specific, right? So that's what you do now. But this last year, <laughs> yeah. It's a little different, right? Dude. So what are some things that you saw challenges with people you work with? I mean, you go obvious or not obvious anywhere you want. Well, so I would, I will say this, like, I feel like, you know, March and April were just very sketchy, um, for, for business owners across the board. People didn't really know what to do. Um, I remember sitting down with our staff, you know, like mid March and, and we're about two miles from the CDC. So we actually have a lot of infection control docs and, and researchers and CDC employees that gave us a heads up on what was going wow. on. And uh, interestingly enough, we're able to kind of give us an idea of like expectations of, you know, like I think some people thought, oh, this is going to be like two weeks and everybody will go back to work. And uh, all of our, you know, clients that work there are like, nope, this is going to be a long time. Right. So we didn't, we actually had like some pretty good information. We sat our staff down and I remember telling them, you know, hey, look, um, we don't really know what it's going to look like, but you guys are our first priority. We'll, we'll not pay ourselves before we stop paying you before we let you go. Uh, you know, and so we don't know what these next few months in particular are going to look like, but we're going to try to, uh, provide value to people as best we can. Right. And, uh, what we did was reach out to as many people as we could and just to see how they were doing like cl prior clients, people we were working with, let them know what was going on. Um, you know, see how we could support them in any other way and, and really just see how they were doing. Right. Um, so it, it was sketchy and I, a lot of our businesses did the same thing. Um, but, I would say by and large, uh, there are two things that happen. I think most people, they were just like, I've, I've got to go to, you know, virtual services of some sort, right? So telehealth, telehealth, telehealth. And uh, we decided not to do that um, just because we just didn't think that that is how we could best serve people. So we actually ended up doing a lot more virtual programming because uh, our skill set is very strength conditioning based and most people were at home training, right? So uh, we were actually ab able to add, you know, probably in the five figure range of recurring revenue virtually during that time, that is something that um, has actually bolstered our practice long-term because of 
us having the time to figure that out, to implement that and for people to be okay with it. Uh, so I think for a lot of people, they either pivoted and found something that was going to help. Uh, and we're definitely down for a couple months, but it was much less than many other businesses. And I, th I think what who got really hurt, hurt more than anything was, um, you know, high volume in network practices where there's a lot of people coming through at the same time. Uh, people didn't want to be in that environment. People still don't really want to be in that environment. So if their contracts are so poorly, uh, you know, you know, set up to where they're not getting much per person and they have to really have three people an hour coming through. And now all of a sudden they were down to one. Well, they just started letting people go. Yeah. like crazy M mass uh, furloughs. Right. And on the flip side of that, the other interesting thing is we saw more people start side hustles and more people start cash practices than ever before last year yep. because they were forced to. They're pivoting. They had to, you know, and it was typically like clinicians that had, that were older, that had more credibility that uh, like just, they had more experience. Um, they were more expensive and you know, they, but they, with insurance, it doesn't matter if you have an OCS and 10, degree, uh, 10 years of experience, you get reimbursed the same as somebody that's six months out of school who's cheaper. So that business owner makes the decision to, all right, I'm going to take this person because they can still generate as much volume for me and they cost like 40% less. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're just highlighting, you saw what was coming. You could have bitched about it. And I think I have a kind of a rule, you know, I'm, you know I allow myself to bitch about something for 24 hours and then you just, yeah. you know, you can feel, you can have a pity party. That pity party can't last more than 24 hours. And then you got to just get up and say, okay, every, everything sucks though, but everybody was dealing with the same thing. Right. I mean, like yeah. I, I heard a great quote recently, which is we're not all in the same ship, right? Cause some people are better off in different positions. Some people are worse off, but we're all in the same storm. Yeah. You can bitch about it as much as you want. You're still going to get rained on. So people pivoted and said, well, what can I do? Cause a lot of people were freaking out by, and kept highlighting well, what can I do? What can I do? Uh, you were focusing and helping people focus on what, they could do. Yeah. Um, now that we have virtual services, should they ever go away? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think that you know it's going that direction. It was going that direction before. Uh, it's something that you know we'd already been doing, just not on the scale that we are now. And um, you know, I think that people are going to want some variation of convenience with that. I think telehealth is something that most major practices will probably uh, offer, but, but honestly, it really just comes down to like, where can you uniquely add value to somebody? Um, for some people, you know, it's, it's maybe it's health coaching. Like we have PTs that do that. They're really into nutrition. They're trying to optimize sleep. Um, you know, it, it can be more leveraged group style coaching. We have uh, a client we work with that um, works with the cycling community and he does group coaching with people that are cyclists and builds out programs around what their injuries are, but has been able to scale kind of one to many versus one to one. Right. Um, but, but even the one to one model, right? I mean, I think that's something that most people, unless they just love Zoom, and like I just, I get so tired when I'm doing uh, telehealth. It's just so exhausting to me uh, that I hate it. Uh, and I'd much rather build out, you know, a template for somebody that's trying to like, you know, I don't know. Uh, PR their 10K and and needs to add some some strength in some areas and and some range of motion improvement and things like that. Like that's just kind of our wheelhouses we like. And um, you know, I think it's easier to sell, to be honest with you. Like for the performance side of things, people love. Yes. Like it's they, they everybody wants to look better. Everybody wants to, you know, be stronger and um, you know, have better performance. And uh, but it's selling that is much easier than, hey, let's jump on a telehealth, you know, right. call. Like, they don't want to do, be there either. Well, sell the goal, right? Sell, sell right. your offering. Sell, sell the transformation, as they say. What will you yeah, help yeah. the person transform into? And then they will beat a path to your door. Then the delivery really depends 
on you know on the provider and the person receiving it, sender and the receiver. Yeah, They're comfortable doing. It. If you don't like doing it, um, I think I mean I I, I talk to people on this show talking about um, no show rates going way way down, just check in visits popping up. Hey, do you have a quick minute? If you're in a clinic and you got two patients back to back, where do you put that person in the middle? But yeah. if you know in your in your schedule, hey, I've got an hour here that could be filled with four 15 minute check ins. Man, that's a great way to that's a great way to do it. Even if you, even if you pick up two out of those four, what have you just done? And what are people willing to pay for? And we got into this discussion. I would love to hear your thoughts. And this came from my former boss in radio, and we were talking about like when YouTube started to pop and when things like you know Spotify started coming around. We were like, we're a radio station. We're in trouble. And he's like, well. Unless you unless you build a community, if you build a community about your local radio station, then you are entrenched. If you're just a jukebox with a with a with an antenna, you've got some problems. Yeah. But he also talked about things that we had that uh, YouTube didn't, and he talked about relationships with bands and backstage passes and meet and greets. And I'm like, okay, why is that important? And then he used one word, and the word was access. Yeah. People want access to people that think that can help them, and that's what I think a virtual either call telehealth check-in yeah. that access to a provider when they want because dude i don't know about you i don't want to wait 20 minutes to call a cab i want an uber in eight minutes access time that's something we could that's something you could offer someone well i think i think you're also uh thinking outside the box and being creative with what we can do with the profession that i think many people do not want to do in particular you know if you have a big multi you know clinic multi-state potentially conglomerate of practices like dude their business model is pretty it's pretty set and they know their value to the marketplace and they and and you know for them if if private equity probably doesn't care so much about that as they do just pure volume and and seeing what you know what, what they're capable of doing um even in in a down environment this is a little different but you know even in a down environment your work comp medicare stuff still heavily utilized right so um, I think I think clinics like that they probably don't care so much unless they're very forward have a very forward thinking CEO, but smaller practices like the ones that we work with, you know, I'm I'm talking you know between two hundred and you know thousand in gross revenue to maybe two million in in, in revenue is is sort of the, the the pocket that we end up working with a lot of people, um, and it's gross. So don't hear that number and you're like, oh my god, two million dollars. Like that's before any sort of you know expenses and, and things like that. It's still a relatively small business in the grand scheme of things. Um, they're very nimble and they're very much looking to add um, revenue, you know, uh, pockets of, of how they can like increase their lifetime value of a, of a client. I think this is really important for anybody that is, is, is going that route, um, is like it, the way you have to look at it is it has to be different. Uh, you have to be very intentional about your numbers. Every person has to, has to, you have to do as best as you possibly can with them because you're not going to have this, um, physician group feeding you just an endless right. number of people or an insurance company feeding you an endless number of people. You have to get really good at marketing. You have to get really good at sales in particular. Like you have to be able to communicate value and clarify why somebody is there. You, you yep. said it, you know, you got to sell the sell Hawaii. Don't sell, you know, TSA in the 10 hour flight. Right. Like, we, we, we have to sell what the destination where they're trying to go. And, you know, but doing that and being able to solve a problem with somebody and then being able to have a reoccurring ongoing relationship with them dramatically increases the lifetime value of that client, but also dramatically increases the outcome and the satisfaction they get with their body in the world that they have to exist in and the people around them. And that's where we're seeing so many of these businesses 
put themselves in a place where they are building recurring revenue, just monstrous uh, streams that are you know, very predictable. And it's, I don't think it's something that most insurance companies can do. And it's, I think it's really a superpower to, to uh, small uh, mm. cash or hybrid practices to actually be able to do that. You're, you're right. I mean, it, it's forcing you, well, not forcing you, but it's, it's rewarding building a relationship with that person. Your goals and their goals are now tied together. Yes. I mean, I'm a physical therapist, right? I got the license the whole nine. I hired a triathlon coach. Why? Because I didn't want to think like that. Right. I wasn't, yeah. I wanted to be an athlete. So the coach I work with is like, well, tell me what you want to do. And I'm like, I want to drop a, you know, 45 minutes off my time. And he's like, okay, I can help you do that. Like it wasn't a hard sell. He read me right. And then I used him for two years. Why? Because yeah. we built a relationship. He'd send me a text message or an email once a week and we'd jive and he'd call me every once in a while. And he knew, he knew what I needed. He paid attention. So that's a relationship build. So what, mm -hmm. what is that worth? What is building your relationship worth? Um, if you're a small practice, could be the difference between a door open and, and closing the doors. It's it's massive, and you know, I, I you you originally brought up like what we what we learned in 2020, um, and what I can tell you is the the businesses that we we work with, we didn't lose a single one that we that we work with during wow. 2020. They That's all deal. Yeah, and it's about 100 businesses, right? In fact, we actually saw. Uh, during a six month time frame from April. So many of them were still pretty shut down, if not, you know, partially shut down. Um, April through October, we actually saw an increase across the board in 84 of these practices uh, that, that we tracked for that six, six month time frame. the 84 that we actually had the entire time during that. Um, we saw about a, uh, almost a $4 million increase uh, between those, those businesses cumulatively during that time. So ironically, we saw a lot of, you know, in-network practices suffer cash practices uh, thrived when people got to the point where they're like, oh, okay, this isn't, um, you know, I can still go and you know, see somebody, but I want to see one person in a right. very controlled environment. And they started looking for those, uh, those practices. And, and we were seeing people just PR their months um, of a volume and higher and like grow like crazy during the second half of 2020. And in particular, a lot of practices that were very, um, you know, entrenched in the local community, like you brought us up with the radio station, you know, when you have your clients and other businesses trying to help you through a tough time, you know, that you do a good job of really building uh, a company that people value, that people respect, that they want to see, you know, uh, make it through sort of a tough time. And um, we saw a lot of that. And, and those local relationships are so important. And they are you can't build them overnight. You can't build them with a Facebook ad. You have to do it by know, getting to know people. Yeah, it's the legwork. Wow, that's, that's exactly. good, right? Four million up. And if if you had if you had given someone a case study of, hey, this there was a lockdown. You can't do this. You can't do that. Who's gonna Who's gonna thrive and who's gonna survive? You would have said, well, the super established large clinics or the or, or the the hospital based or anything like that the, they're they're the titanic harder to harder yeah. to sink well we know how that moves right so it's, yeah you can there's benefit to size and strength mm -hmm. it's all benefit to agility and and the other way the micro size in terms of relationship yeah and and the i think the other thing too is in these smaller practices um you typically are defining who your you know your niche is and you're really yeah. you're really um typically going to be involved in that community in some way. And that, again, it's just relationships, but it's relationships with people you have a lot of in, uh, things in common with, right? right? So, and and that's, that's where we see, uh, we, we saw so many people like actually look to help us out. Like we had people reaching out to see if they could just buy a package from us, 
not even wanting to come in. They're just like, Hey, can I just buy like 10 visits with you guys? I'll use them eventually. Wow. And we were shocked. You know, we were like, Oh dude, that's awesome. Thanks. Like it's crazy. And, uh, and you know, and I, that happened to many of the businesses we work with. And I, I think that if you, you know, if you're not doing a good job of, of doing the right things for people, keeping your word, you know, really caring about people, that's probably the main thing. There's no way they're going to do that because you're just, you're just a business to them. You're not a, you're not a person. You're, it's not a, it's not an establishment that they look at with the people. They just look at, oh, that's a business. If it fails, not a big deal. Right. You want to think of Danny. You don't want to think of the sign outside. You don't want to think of the logo. You want to think of Danny because I got a relationship because he solves my problems. Right. Yeah. They vote with their time, their money. And in our profession, they, you know, that's their body. That's pretty damn personal. You don't just trust that with anybody. Oh, well, absolutely. As well as I think the other thing that, that is helping us right now, because like we're this past month, uh, about I think it's 55% of our businesses that we work with had a PR month, meaning the most revenue they've ever had in a month ever. Like we've had, uh, everybody like hiring, growing. I think it's, it's, it's a transition and carryover from people still looking for this more one-on-one based service, but also insurance continues to be, get more confusing deductibles continue to get higher. And what that does is it's people are just like, they're just confused and they just want a simple model. They're like, okay, hang on. If I come and see you, all I have to do is just pay you. And then you solve my problem. And it's like, yeah, that's it. Uh, we don't have to deal with insurance. Like you don't have to spend two hours on the phone trying to figure out, you know, why they're charging you X amount more or, or why, you know, you thought you had this and you didn't have that. Like people's time is valuable. Like they don't want to do that. They don't want to do that, that, you know, that, that effort to try to get nickel and dime by an insurance company. They just want their problem solved. And the question used to be, do you take my insurance? Now the question is, you are it's a different statement. It's like, you probably don't take my insurance, do you? Right. So it's, it's phrased completely differently because there's, there's such a trend um, of it. And a lot of it is frankly, just because the third party payer system is, is just very, very difficult to deal with as a consumer as well. If we look downstream then, because, uh, uh, you know, in this episode, we talked about how a lot of things in the profession can frustrate people. I'm talking about, you know, PTs, let's stick with just PTs, right? It can be frustrating because I've got to see high volume and maybe I'm not seeing the, the particular clients, the patients that I want to be seeing. Right. Well, this trend you're describing here, it looks like it looks like one of the three people in this environment, right? Patients, providers, and payers, let's just call them insurance companies. It looks like the insurance companies, we might, the pendulum might be swinging towards patients and towards providers. If people are going smaller, more agility, you're getting that freedom of who you work with. You're, you're able to sustain a relationship with that person so you can, you can see less people but still live the lifestyle you want, still make what you need to make to survive. It seems like maybe the insurance companies will hopefully, fingers crossed, I guess, be left out in the cold, holding well, the short. I just don't think they care. Uh, and they, they probably don't have a reason to. I mean, they're massively profitable, right? Um, and, um, you know, I mean, they, they're they publicly traded companies, most of them. Um, they they are really they want their shareholders to be to be happy. They want their executive board to be happy. Um, it's not like they care about the consumer either, right? Like it's not like you think hey, Blue Cross Blue Shield is like loves me. Like they're my buddy. Like no nobody uh, you know thinks that the insurance company wants to reimburse them. You know right. more than they have to. It's that's not how they make so much damn money. The defense game. I want to find yeah. a reason I, sh- I don't have to cover this. Yeah. And, and honestly, a lot of their practices are just to deny the first claim anyway, because a certain number of people are going to get frustrated and not actually try to get uh, reimbursed again. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of practices they have that work that allow them to be very profitable. But, you know, it, it's it's 
there's just always going to be a large percentage of the population that needs insurance coverage, that's going to go through insurance, um, you know, and wants to use their insurance. And that's fine. That's not anybody that we're necessarily trying to, to work with, you know, and, and for, for us, it's, it's really about defining who it is that we want to help. We want to help people that are they're They're trying to create a long-term positive health change. Um, and they, they, they want to be as active and involved with their friends and family and the world around them for as long as they possibly can. And there's more and more people that are trending that direction and they're viewing their body as an investment, not a cost. And I think, you know, over the next five, 10, 20 years, there's just going to be so many more people that are doing that. And I mean, the reason that we have this goal of a billion dollars of cash services added to the industry is, is not for the money side of things. What it, what it means to us is, and we have a massive amount of successful practices out there that are working with people on the right terms to teach them how to take care of themselves, to work on sleep, on stress management, on nutrition, on better movements, and, and actually make long-term positive health changes when we're, we're trending the wrong direction. We're, our, our average age of, of, uh, you know, of death has actually gone down, not up um, over the last five years. And that's not a good sign in, in probably you know, the most powerful country in the world. It means that we're all getting heavier. We're all getting diabetes. We're all having more heart attacks and strokes. And, and it's because mainly because we're lazy and we eat like a shitty diet. So, you know, for us to be able to have these conversations, build these relationships, teach people what to do. Yes, we're physical therapists, but the people we work with have a much broader skill set. What that hap what, what happens with that is they get a change, but then everybody around them, we call it generational family health starts to happen as well. So this is a sort of like ripple effect of now their kids see them eating a salad instead of a burger. Now their kids see them, you know, going on a walk at night or, you know, doing some, some flexibility work or exercising in a group class or whatever it might be. And now all of a sudden that's normal to them. So we start to shift what this health epidemic really is via the vehicle of people like, like you and me that, that really want to help people be healthy long-term. And that, that number just solidifies that we have a small army of people doing the right thing. Uh, that ripple effect too is can also help your business because you get sure. you get thought of first. Hey, I saw my neighbor's uh, you know got a spring in his step. How do how do I get that? He didn't ask what provider I go see. He asked how do I get that? Oh, right. how you get that is Danny. That's the solution. Go see Danny. Take listen to him. And what I'm this is from a guy who spent you know 15, 20 years marketing. Best marketing is a good product. Best way to share that good product is word of mouth. If you can get that, do that. This is, I mean, this is from a guy, me, who my entire career was paid for on, well, that's a lot of work. I'm just going to run some commercials and hope they hit. No, yeah. tell you, get a really good product, create an army of people who are going to refer to you because you did really, really good work. It's so true. I mean, I think that um, we get this where people, they're like, oh, well, can you teach me this advanced digital marketing strategy? Can you, you know, can you show me this like ninja Jedi sales technique? And like, I mean, we, we have very well-proven solid business, you know, systems and structure and all that. But when we talk to people, the number one thing is you, and I don't know, like I'll try not to curse here, but like we call it the give a fuck factor. You yeah. have to care about people so much more so than any provider they've ever seen. And when they come in, you have to do the right thing for them. You have to go above and be, uh, above and beyond, make sure that you're available for what's going on with them. And it will be so astronomically different that they won't be able to shut up about you. Yeah. Like, it's like, uh, I, I read this article about Chipotle when they started, they had no advertising, no marketing budget, nothing, but their food was so damn good that could they be. grew so fast because people just couldn't stop talking about how great this was and how fast it was and how convenient and, and you know, it was repeatable. And like, so if you, if you are the greatest marker in the world and your burrito sucks, nobody's coming back. 
right? Nope. You have to deliver a world-class service and, and effort to get them the result that they want. And it's honestly not that hard to be better than the, the, you know, clinic, the pops clinic down the road or the hospital clinic. Like it's actually really easy to be better than them because they typically suck in comparison yeah. to somebody that can really spend time with somebody. If you have, we'll go back to your burrito model. If let's say you have, let's say you do have the best marketing in the world and you have a crappy burrito, you will sell a lot of one burritos, one burritos. Yeah. But you can't make a living on burritos with no repeat burritos. No, do you know, you know, the, the lifetime average, uh, or the, the lifetime value of somebody at Starbucks is like $8,300. Wow. Like, isn't that crazy? Because people come back. But if you, if you have a great marketing, uh, approach and you have shitty coffee and somebody comes in and gets one coffee, their lifetime value is like $3, right? Yeah, that's totally it. Different. Yeah. I mean, you were, I was laughing and, and was holding it in when you were talking about people asking for like Jedi mind tricks and like, what's the, what's the, whatever I won't say, you know, there's, there's, there's some courses out there within physical therapy for me, like how to launch a podcast and how to do this and how to do that. And I'm like, okay. And I've been asked by people and I typically know people cause that, that's, that wasn't the, I want to be making podcasts. I don't want to be teaching people how to podcast. I might be switching that model now because I see the power. Maybe I'll start a course. But people are always asking me for the tricks. What are the tricks? And I'm like, here's the tricks. You ready? You guys listening? Real close. Um, be really curious and find people who you think you can learn from and ask them honest questions. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, how do you know? And I'm like, research the person or honestly ask. And they're like, this sounds super basic. And I'm like, I'm really sorry, but yeah. Dude, but what mic do I get? Right. You yeah. Know? I mean, I can just go. Yeah, we got two good mics in the screen. So is that, is that, do you need it? No. Like, is this just the thing? You know, this is just the, the mechanism to deliver it. Yeah. And, but, but we, we typically, and I was just having this conversation the other day, we typically devalue the things we're good at and, and put stock into the things that we think other people are good at. So if you're good at like communicating, you're like, well, that's not that valuable because it comes really easy to me or not easy, but like I put a lot of, it's easy now because I put effort into it. So if someone is doing something I don't know about, I must need a trick to get there. When the, when the key is actually do the basics really well, pay attention to the small stuff and the big stuff will, it'll take care of itself. Yeah. But I think for you in particular, you know, in my, in my opinion, there's no doubt in the physical therapy podcasting world or just clinical podcasting world, you're the best there out there for sure. And I am the best of 12. <laughs> you're, you're number one out of 12 to 13 of us. And the, the thing is though, like, but it's important for people to realize too, how many reps you had in. Correct. You know, for years and years, and it's not like you just kind of rolled up and were like, I'm this amazing podcaster. You have basically this, you know, training unknowingly uh, that was so beneficial. And you just saw an opportunity to provide value at a time when, um, you know, a platform like this was picking up some, some right. popularity yeah. and, and you were really good at it. Right. So all of a sudden you're a world-class communicator. What happens? Like Fox Rehab, you know, reaches out to you. You have this, you have, I don't even, I forget how many podcasts you even have at this point or how many places you've been to interview people. I mean, like the, the, the thing is like, you just doubled down on the thing you had a strong suit in because you saw a need for it. And that's amazing. And that's what we started the show with. Like, yes, there is an opportunity to do this. And you said when you did episodes in Doc and Jock and you talked about business, you got lots of downloads. Was there a correlation causation? That means the audience liked it, but also you liked it. So like if right. you did it and the audience liked it, but you didn't, you didn't love it, don't jump that way. But if you do something, they like it and you like it. Ooh, man, that's some magic happening. Definitely yeah. go that way. That's so true. And, you know, I didn't, 
I went to school in the army, right? I didn't go to school to be an entrepreneur. Uh, they didn't talk to me anything about private practice or like, why would they, right? I mean, they, they thought I was going to be in for 20 years. So did I, I thought I was going to be in for a career. I just, I just happened to have an opportunity to get out and, and teach for somebody I have a lot of respect for I started a business on the side because I didn't want to uh, do nothing during the week. I was traveling on the weekends to teach. And I started to realize like, this shit is really interesting to me. It's really fascinating. And as I learned more and more about it, I started to uh, you know, surround myself with more entrepreneurs and learn from them and kind of hear their stories. And, oh, you were selling, you were selling candy on you know, the playground as a kid too, or like you were doing you know, just like random, just trying to make money as a kid constantly. And it was like, oh shit, like we have a lot in common. And I'm fascinated with the ability to have people create the life that they want via a business that supports it. And that is, it's so important to find something that you're fascinated with because like for me to do this podcast with you, like I was excited all day. You know what I mean? Like this is not work to me. This is like actually super enjoyable. I would do this if we didn't record it because I like talking to you. It's always interesting. And we get to talk about stuff that we like. And if somebody listens to it, awesome. If nobody listened to it, I'd still do it because I like it. So I, I just, I think it's hard for people because maybe they don't find that right away. I didn't. Um, but you have to look out for it. You have to be aware of it. And if you're not, it, it, your opportunity may just pass you. Um, super uh, uh, pride moment, like geek moment was one of the last episodes of 2020. We, I saw this guy online and he was just treating snowboard athletes, right? And I was like, that's cool. Like skiers and snowboarders in Vermont. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Hey man, I just, I want to know how you did that. And that's how most of our interviews start is me on social media being like, that's cool. Tell me more, but not now. Wait till we're recording. The Steven Burkett. Yeah. 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 We work with him. He's the man. He is the man. So he comes on the show and I don't know what I'm about to tell you as we're talking about it. And somehow it comes up. I'm like, well, I was like, who gave you the permission to just move to Vermont and open up and just be like, I'm the guy who treats snowboarders and skiers. And this is like a super why I do this moment. And he was like, I heard, I've been listening to your show for four years now. And I heard too many people come on your show and say, I wanted to do this. So I did it and it worked. I figured why not me. And I was like, fuck yeah. That's awesome. That's the full circle moment for me as I was like, oh my God. Cause sometimes you and I are talking right now and I know there's people probably listening eventually, but we, I forget. Cause right now it's just you and me. And I was like, wow, but someone not only heard it, they did the thing, which was ballsy. I mean, he risked everything. He pushed all the chips in the middle. He was like, I'm moving to Vermont. I didn't know anybody. He really did. Yeah, because he's not from there. And that's a really hard thing to do is start a, start a service business in a place where you're not from. And to his credit, like he is a very mentally resilient, just like, you know, just, just, just a great person, a really good provider, but just like one of the best attitudes that I've seen with people just being positive, even though it's a, it's a hard thing that he was doing and he's still doing, but having a lot of success with it. And I, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that the power of what you share with people, the stories of people that are doing the things that they want to do is, is really, it's inspiring. And, you know, to see people do that, um, is great. And, and, you know, I hope that people do that, uh, more, but, I get it because it is scary and there's other circumstances. You may have a family, you have a lot of student loans, you have all these other things that are reasons that are going to stop you from doing that. But, um, you know, I, I, I read a book, uh, it was, I think it's the, the words of a dying man or interviews with a dying man. And it's, it's a hospice nurse that interviewed people on their deathbed. And they're like top five things that kind of continually came up. One was not spend enough time with their family. And one of the other ones was to not take a chance on themselves. Yeah. And, and, it, and, and it wasn't always business related. It might've been like, um, you know, 
ask that person out that I never did, or, or, you know, like do the thing that I always want to do, or, you know, the job that I wish I had switched to or something like that. And, you know, I think that regret is tough. Regret is something that you just, you know, you can't do much with when you're at a certain age. So I never wanted to have that. And I hope that, you know, very few people do, because I think it's probably one of the things that's, it's really stings, uh, you know, and, and you can't get back that time. So, you know, I have a lot of respect for people to take a chance on themselves. And, and let's be honest, worst case scenario, Stephen moves to Vermont. It doesn't work. He gets a job in Vermont and things are just fine. Right. right. But at least he tried. I mean, look at this. I mean, this is like super personal. A lot of these episodes turn to like therapy sessions for me too, which is my dad was a firefighter, New York city firefighter. So like, Number one, I was going to be a PT after being a radio DJ. And that to him was very, very like, like, okay, that makes sense. Good. There's always going to be people that need you. Got it. Then I took a hard right and started doing this whole thing. And he couldn't wrap his mind around it. And I literally put it to him exactly like you did. I was like, dad, my backup plan is I have a degree in physical therapy. Yeah. This whole podcast communications weird thing that I'm doing that not a lot of people do doesn't work. And I understand it's weird. You want me to succeed? It was almost that scene from Big Daddy where like the dad was like trying to get Adam Sandler not to adopt the kid. He's like, you're here because you care. But I was like, my backup plan. So yeah, so take that risk. Do you, uh, Is it cool if we take a question from the audience? We got someone right sure. here. Yeah, I just actually saw your comment. Let's do it. Michael. Uh, Michael loving this. He's in upstate New York. Uh, he teaches business and leadership classes for DPTs upstate. It's difficult for them to understand why leadership is so important. They're just looking to get their first job and pay off loans. Believe me, totally understand that. Any tips for your experience to get them to buy into what we're talking about with this, this leap, this entrepreneurship and leadership while they're still in school? Yeah. So, you know, I've actually, I've actually done a lot of um, uh, just like Zoom uh, Q and A's for, for PT schools. So it's been interesting to, to chat with them, right? About my experience and um, you know, the options that they have to use their degrees in school. And, um, I think that, that actually very few of them when they're in school, even have any idea of like what we're talking about. Um, because the vast majority of them are probably just trying to get through school. I know for me, uh, yeah, I was like, you know, not the smartest kid in class. So I had to try really hard to not fail. So if somebody had come in and I had a business class or something, I probably would have, um, I probably wouldn't have been able to conceptualize it very well. I also didn't have much life experience in comparison to when I got out of the military. So, um, I, you know, I, I think some of it might just be timing. Um, and some people are naturally a little more interested in it as well. Right. Awesome. So I think that when you're relaying that information, I think the best thing you can do is just give people an opportunity to understand what it means to be able to do the things they really like and to get that business to support what they're doing. So, you know, if, if, if they like runners, like, oh, cool, you're a runner, you want to work with runners, you can really do that, right? Like you can educate people, create content. You can bring people in the office that you're working with in that capacity. You can build digital programs for them. You can be around runners all the time. If that's a thing you really love, you get an opportunity to decide how you use your degree. It doesn't have to be, you know, go and work for a big, you know, whatever multi-state practice or go to a hospital. Um, it, it can be many different things if you're willing to work on certain skills and leadership, I think is tough in particular, because I mean, unless they have some sort of a background where they've had to be in a leadership position, it's hard to understand why you need leadership skills until you're forced into a leadership position. And I know for me, when I, when I got out of the military, I moved to Hawaii to take a position. Um, and it was, it was with a brigade, but I got punted back to this clinic because the, the director of that clinic was pregnant and had complications. And I was a captain at the time. She was a major, um, she was in she bed, uh, on bed rest in the hospital and I had to take over a clinic, which was like 25 people. And I didn't know shit. Wow. I didn't even know how to treat people hardly. Cause I just gotten out of school and I got thrust into this leadership position and realized very quickly what not to do and what to do and how important it was to learn more about it. So I think some of it is just 
exposure as well. Leadership is leadership is 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 tough. I agree with you, but I love what you, how you just answered that that entrepreneurship question. It's the same answer we gave three times already today, which is sell or just describe what the end result could look like if you go on the path. Don't sell the path, sell the end. Yeah. Don't hide the path. Hey, listen, there's something at the end that is going to be difficult, but if that's what you want, it's worth it. So the juice is worth the squeeze there. So yeah. the, repeating the same themes tells you this is the basics. Well, and, and you know, Michael, I, first of all, I love that you're doing that because I think it's amazing that you're even talking about this with students and at least planting the seed, right? But uh, I think that, uh, I, I don't think leadership is maybe even the, the thing that they really need to learn right away early on. I, I for, from what I've seen and, and you know, I, what I wish I would have learned more was uh, uh, honestly sales and the it sales it gets a bad rap. People think you, you say sales and they think you're like trying to swindle them. Right. Um, but really it's communication and you know, the ability, and this is Jimmy's world-class at this, like this is, this is, this is so important in the clinic. The people that get the best outcomes are the ones that get the most trust from their, their patients. The people that get the best jobs are the ones that interview the best. The people that are able to make it work in business are the ones that can sell early on and they can teach other people how to do the same thing. And they feel confident during that process. They feel comfortable during that process. And I just th think if people understood the psychology around, yeah. you know, how to communicate with people, what to do, what not to do, like how to actually uh, utilize our verbal skill set, our like nonverbal language with our body uh, to be able to create a level of comfort with somebody else. Our clinical outcomes would increase, but more than anything, they would be able to write their own tickets because yeah. they would have confidence to be able to sell the thing they want to the people they want to work with. I think it starts really in education, right? Like early, I'm talking like elementary school. We are taught that like you give presentations, you get up and you give a presentation. Those are not the best presentations. Like like good presentations are really conversations said to you when you're in the audience. So I almost think it starts there because it, I'm trying to think of like uh, like good good communicators I learned from, and a lot of them were marketing and sales professors in college that I didn't yeah. learn it. I just cared enough to like wanted to make communications my thing. But I think that's important. I mean, it's huge, it, man. Well, the, a PowerPoint like. I, uh, I think Steve Jobs said, if you need a PowerPoint to explain what you're talking about, you don't know it well enough. Yeah. And, you know, when I, when I started teaching for Kelly Sturette, uh, we did not use PowerPoints. And these would be one to sometimes three day long courses. So imagine showing up with, and all you have is a whiteboard uh, and sometimes a tiny whiteboard because we, sometimes we went to gyms, we didn't even know what they had, right? So you're spending one to three days going over all this movement stuff and you have to just remember what you're talking about. And, you know, I, I think that. If, if people want to get better at communication, like being able to uh, teach topics is a really good way to, to, to do it. Um, as well as, you know, just uh, seeing people that are really good communicators, like watching them. Uh, we actually, we just had Kelly at our, our live, we did a live mastermind event in Charleston a couple of weeks ago. And um, I told everybody that came, I said, the content he's going to have is going to be great, but watch the way he presents it. Watch the way he pauses and stares people down like you think he's burned a hole through you. You know, watch the way he commands the room and walks around like he's, you know, a big gorilla walking around a room with his body language and, and you know, takes up space. Like, watch that stuff because if you take that and you do a local workshop with that, you're going to convert better because people are going to be more engaged. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, gosh, we could talk a whole hour on, on communication. I mean, we're talking about like not using PowerPoint. 
do baseball players don't walk up there with a T you go in there, you put, you, you face pitches, right? So the idea is like, you're going to react to the pitch. You kind of know it's going to come somewhere to you. So, you know, the bucket of balls that you need to hit to the audience, the audience is in the outfield just, okay, what do we got? And maybe I'm not, maybe today I re- I'm really going to harp on this point in that one, but if you have a PowerPoint presentation, you are regurgitating information and the audience knows it and they check out because yeah. if I'm read to, I can read faster than you can talk. So I'm going to, I'm going to read the slide. I'm going to wait for you to catch up and you don't want your audience waiting for you, waiting to catch up with, for you to catch up with them. Yeah. You want to play around. Well, think about, um, you know, like we, we have sales, uh, you know, team members in PT biz, we teach sales to our, our local, um, you know, uh, clinicians that work with us. Um, and there's general script frameworks, right? Like there's general guidelines as to what we want to make sure we go over, but the magic is in the delivery. The magic is in the, the, the way in which you ask questions, the way in which you pause, the way in which you change the tone of your voice. It's, it's like you and I could take Chris Rock's material and we could say the same stuff and it wouldn't be that funny. But when he says it and the way he delivers it is very different. So the words are just one part of it. It's the way in which you deliver it that really matters more than anything else. In particular, the tone of your voice. I mean, just like, like think about like a dog, right? Like dogs, uh, can't speak, but dogs make noises and the tone of, of, a, of an animal, you can tell is it, Oh, this is, this dude's pissed off or like, Oh, they're excited to see me. And it's all based off of tone. We're very, very in tune with it. Um, you know, so that's actually a huge part of communication as well. And, you know, people like yourself, whether you know it or not, like, you know, there's natural fluctuations that are engaging that keep people, you know, listening. And that's a huge part of why, you know, your podcast is, works so well. Yeah, it's just down to human brains. And I tell it to people all the time is I understand that you want to put a lot of words on this slide or you want to talk in circles for a half hour, but you have to understand the receiver doesn't care. Yeah. This, is issue. this is a psychological issue. What issues do you need to work on to understand, hey, maybe you don't know this information quite well enough. So go refine that. Go refine that message and then come back and deliver it well. Because like you said, it's not the words. It's it's the delivery because you're building a relationship everybody's bad at shit when they start like think about how bad like when you first started doing you know dj stuff how good were you awful train wreck wouldn't want to hear that to to save my life you should try to find some of that i think that'd be great just uh we had tapes man we don't have tapes anymore i don't even even if i had a cassette i wouldn't know where to play it (laughs) oh a cassette wow oh man Old school. All right. I uh, want to thank our friends from your CBD store, CBDRX for you. We've been talking about these guys. We're giving away some pint glasses at ptpintcast.com. We'll send one to you. We're sending away winners coming up next month and then every week after that. Uh, CBDRX for you. They got like 500 locations. They want to make sure you as a physical therapist understand what if you're if your patients are out there using CBD because it's over the counter in most locations, if they're using this, can you from an educated point of view, walk them through what that could be doing to their recovery. Can you, if you can't a hundred percent ice cold do that, you need to be more educated. So check out cbdrx4u.com. Uh, it's led by physicians. Uh, so they're looking for the research and figuring out people are using this for sleep, for stress, for wellness. People are just using it because their friends are using it. So as a therapist, as we know, People sometimes forget, are you on any medications or taking anything? No, no, no. What is this heart medication you have in your pocket? Oh, yes, that. I'm taking that. Um, CBD is going to be one of those things that's going to put a little extra spin on the ball. So be educated. So again, cbdrx4u.com. Uh, Danny, are you ready for three questions? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Do three questions right now.
All right, our friends at uh, Fusion Medical Staffing, leaders in hashtag travel PT. Uh, if you're looking for positions all around the country, let your PT license take you where you want to go, right? Uh, work with the people you want to work with in the place. I mean, geographical, not just the headspace, but the place you want to be doing that. There's travel PT. I tell people all the time, if you're like from New York, where I'm from, and you're like, I don't know, I've always wanted to go to the Pacific Northwest. Why not use a travel assignment as a way of test driving that part of the country and get paid to do it? And then be there for three months. You know what? No, I don't like it up here. Go somewhere else. So it's completely up to you. So check them out. FusionMedStaff.com. Leaders in hashtag travel PT. All right. So first question is a where question. Where's somewhere? Oh, you know what? We'll, we'll twist it for you. Where's someone you recently went? Because you just got back from a vacation. Oh, man. Yeah, we went. We, we had a great trip, man. We took our kids on spring break um, out to Moab, Utah, and did a bunch of... Uh, Hiking, mountain biking, we went to Arches National Park, Canyonlands. Uh, I think it's called Slick Rock. It's like a off-road area. It was really cool. And um, and then on the way back, we we stopped in uh, Copper Mountain, and my kids are learning to snowboard, which is actually like just super frustrating uh, to pick up. But they they all got uh, you know, pretty proficient where they actually liked it, um, on this trip. And we, as a family, we're going down some green runs together and had a great time. And, um, it was awesome, man. I, I love it out there. You know, I really do. I think, uh, it's so pretty. It's so different than where I'm at. You know, we have, so it's just such a dense forest. Atlanta is, you know, just, uh, a city in a, in a forest basically, which is, it's, it's pretty here, uh, in its own way, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's really cool out there. I really like it. All right, cool. Um, second question is a what question. What's something you've watched, read, or listened to? A book, movie, podcast, audiobook, something that you think the audience could get value from? Okay. This is one, and I'm going to throw this shout out Kelly on this one. So uh, Ke Kelly has been telling me to read Dune for Dune. Uh, it's the sci-fi book, Dune, uh, for probably close to 10 years now. And I finally broke down and did it, and it is awesome. Like, it's Dude. so good. Uh, it predates Star Wars, by the way, and Star Wars stole a bunch of shit from them. And when you when you read it, you're going to be like, oh, crap, I get it. George Lucas, like, you you totally ripped off many things in Dune for Star Wars. All right, Dune. I need some non... I need some of that kind of reading, I think, is what I need in my life. Well, another one, actually, here's a great... This is actually one of my favorite books. This is, we're on the sci-fi side real quick. Lexicon. I'm just going to leave it at that. Lexicon, one of my favorite books that is nonfiction that I've read. And it makes a lot of sense for communicators like us, Jimmy. I'm going to pre-frame that. I'm going to leave it. I'm not going to spoil it. You read it, and you're going to be like, I get it. It's all about communication. I like it. Uh, last question on three questions is uh, a who question. Who is someone the audience should know more about? You know, I think that uh, I think people should know more about my business partner, Jared Moon. He's not a clinician. Um, he actually wrote a book called Killing Comfort that is all about mental uh, resiliency. He was an F-16 pilot in the Air Force, um, had a essentially career-ending injury while in flight, uh, required surgery, medical board process out. So, you know, goes through the flight process, it's a two-year process, um, you know, flew uh, for a short period of time after um, actually getting assigned to his first assignment. And if you can imagine, like spent his whole life with the goal of being an Air Force F-16 pilot, makes it, and then has this, catastrophic injury. 
Um, and uh, for him, he, he's very mentally resilient, uh, tough individual. And uh, he talks about, you know, what he learned, how he dealt with that and, and the, the things that um, he helps athletes with uh, as well. So I think he's um, I think he's incredibly smart. I think the book is great. It's a very easy read and uh, super, super tactical. I like that. Killing comfort. Uh, that's three questions from our friends at FusionMedStaff.com. Find them online there. Uh, they also have job transparency. None of this, like, we'll give you a, a little bit of an information for the position. Like, they're just going to tell you. we got a position working with here. Here's the pay. Here's the whole nine. Do you want, want this job or not? That's what people are looking for anymore. So job transparency, FusionMedStaff.com. Last thing we do on the show is the parting shot. Let's do your... Academy, the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. I don't know why I started saying it like that a few hundred episodes ago, and I keep doing it. Uh, find them online at orthopt.org, one of the largest components of the APTA. Uh, if you're looking to level up their game, they are the experts. Uh, they've got uh, ISCs, independent study courses, on all different kinds of areas of orthopedic practice. Uh, something new coming very soon. Their newest edition of the uh, current concepts of orthopedic PT will hit uh, their website very, very shortly. We're teasing ahead to that. So find them online at orthopt.org if you're looking to level up your orthopedic game. So, Danny, the stage is yours. Your parting shot. What do you want to leave the audience with today as we wrap up? You know, first of all, just let me thank you again for for having me on. It's always great to have a a conversation with you and and I'm honored to be, you know, on your show, which by the way, is just, you've like upgraded the shit out of this thing over the years. So it's been amazing to watch your evolution, but, um, um, you know, for anybody that's listening to it, that is interested in, you know, doing something on their own. I, I, you know, I hope that you do take the opportunity to take a chance on yourself. It's changed my life. It's changed many lives of the people that we've worked with. Um, you know, and I know it's a scary thing, but, um, it's just one of those things that it's hard to explain how beneficial it's going to be if you decide to do it. So if you're not on the fence about that, that's great. We need people that are, you know, great. They want to be great employees. They want to serve the profession. They want to serve people, but some of you, and you know who I'm talking to, yeah. you know, it, you know, it's not the right fit for you. And if it's not, it's just going to fester and get worse until you decide to pull the trigger on it. And I hope that you do. Listen to someone who's uh, who's who is currently and and has shepherded people towards that. It's it's not the right fit for everybody, but if you're thinking about it, if it's in the burrow of your brain, uh, take a rip. Uh, uh, where do you like people to uh, to to reach out to you? Where's the spot you want them to go? Is it just the website? Where do you like them? Yeah, physicaltherapybiz.com is the easiest place to kind of learn more about what we do there. Um, you can, um, I'm more active on Instagram than anything else. I totally stay off Twitter, like you mentioned before, cause it's just a bunch of arguing. So, you know, Danny Matei PT is, is, uh, is Instagram and, and, uh, you know, one other area that's uh, totally free. It's a, a really, uh, I think a pretty unique group, um, on Facebook is our PT entrepreneurs, Facebook group. We've got about 4,000 providers in there that are, um, you know, they're all trying to, uh, learn more. They may actively be involved in business. Many of them are openly sharing kind of what's working, networking with each other. Uh, and it's cool because there's thousands of us, at, you know, in this one area that are interested in the same thing. And it's, it's a really good way to support each other and be a, in a community. I love that. All right, Danny, appreciate your time. As always, we'll have you back again uh, uh, soon. Maybe we'll bring maybe we'll bring you and some of the business partners on here. Get a little little panel discussion going on. That's a good idea. Those guys are a little smarter than I am. So it'd probably be a better uh, episode. <laughs> All right, Danny, appreciate your time, man. Thanks for stopping by. All right, thanks so much.
Love the PT Pinecast? Yes. Yes. Support the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play. All right, show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding <laughs> internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management. Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. ptpintcast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It's poured fresh by me, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Ingredients are sourced by our chief connections officer, Sky Donovan from Marymount University. And it's brewed fresh by producer and physical therapist, Juliet Dassinger. And by producer and creator, second year PT student, Bridget Nolan from Sacred Heart University. PT Pintcast is a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. Make sure to follow us online at PT Pinecast and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I absolutely love you, love you, love you. It's it's awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. And if you found value in the show, all we ask is that you tell a friend. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.